Talk Radio 191 FM podcast. Sure. Right now I'm joined by Dr. Olivier Joutel from MIFCO. Maureen, to you. Kia ora, Jamie. Always a pleasure. Oh, it's never a chore, my friend. Never a chore. Hey, right, uh, over the years a lot of films have been made in Otipote. Yep. You can go back to Far Lap Sun in 1936. Oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. You've been yeah. doing your research. Uh, yeah, well, uh, not really. Um, these films, like one of the first films I ever saw that was made in Otipote was uh, The Grass Cutter. I don't know if you've ever seen Never that. Never heard of it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on. This one, a great short film, used to screen on C4, featuring my former Tiger Boys High School French teacher, Dave Corbelis. Oh, and it was it's called Signing Off. And basically, he was an old-timey, kind of like Glenn Miller, big band, AM radio DJ, and it was his last ever show, and time had passed him by, and tastes had changed, but one nana calls him up to request, you know, whatever, like, uh, yeah, I'm I'm assuming a, a, a Glenn Miller thing, and then as he puts the disc on, it flies out the window, and he has to, like, go... Uh, it goes down the sewer, and he kind of he ends up going through the hydro slides. But it's it's me- it's made to look like <laughs> the sewer with rats running through it. And he gets back with seaweed on his head or whatever, and plays the 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 record just in time, completely voice not breaking. And Dave, if you know Dave Corbel, it's a kind of classic theater guy. It was uh, so that's one of my little Dunedin little nugget faves. I made some great films here myself. Uh, I was just going to go on to Wolverine, Sylvia. You know, oh some, yeah, but, that's but, right. Of yeah, course, some yeah. Hollywood productions. Uh, the Light Between Oceans mm-hmm. was a more recent one, and now Black Christmas. Yeah, it, to tell you what, I've been I've been called a little bit like a bit of a hype man publicist for this because, to be honest, like I'm I'm, I'm standing this like, and I don't really like standing as like a, a way of thinking about movie but this is this is Blumhouse man yeah they make amazing movies and uh, they make amazing ones they also make some terrible amazing films I mean if I think Blumhouse other than the, some of the big ones I think Paranormal Activity right I think uh, The Purge oh uh, come on no 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 The Purge, <laughs> the, Purge is so right, hold on. the Purge is amazing yeah. and alright now here's here's a way to kind of contextualize this so when the Academy was looking at Get Out which yeah. phenomenal movie one of the kind of comments leaked to the press from one of the old kind of academy heads was like, oh, it's just a B movie. And of course, uh, so the history of, of, you know, of, you know, you'd go to a matinee or you'd go to see three films and the second film would be like a B movie, like 60 to 70 minutes long, maybe a grindhouse, a slasher, or in the traditions of George Romero and, you know, zombie films or any of those things. So the B movie, is is a is a wonderful kind of like open genre slot to be incredibly subversive, playful, lean into kind of the, the some of the absurdist uh, aspects of the horror genre, or do incredibly kind of like smart social commentary, like obviously Romero's films, the the, the Dead series, and all the rest of it. So I love B movies. Like that's that's the thing that really kind of gets me going. I love that there is still kind of a production company that's doing mid to low budget films and with that able to take risks because if you look at uh, Hollywood films today it's it's like everything I mean look there's always been kind of test screenings and focus groups but like we're really at the stage of like we're making movies by algorithm now you know yeah. like it's incredibly risk averse and tedious and playing to people's kind of prejudices as uh, as audiences, and um, this is this is a this is a company that takes a lot of risks. So I'm really looking forward to it. 
Um, what do you think of the original Black Christmas? Uh, I it's great. It's really it's uh, it's so the the premise is is that there is a sorority house that's being stalked by a psychosexual creep in sort of in the Norman Bates mold, uh, but not. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's, and, and that's the kind of character that in the original film is left completely unexplored. And what's really interesting in the first film, in that, like, and, and I know that the kind of like sorority slasher is, you know, there's a feminist critique of that, which is like looking at the the offing of of women as, as some kind of, I don't know, sick uh, kind of kick that we get out of that, but. What ends up happening, and I'm going to spoil a 1974 film, so honestly, <laughs> go cry about that somewhere else, please. It's made the, it's, you had 35 years. I can't spoil it. But basically, what ends up happening is the female protagonist kills her boyfriend or fiancé, um, thinking that he's the killer, but he's not. But because he's being possessive and spoiled and a brat, he's embodying all the traits of, like, masculine power and violence over women so like for 1974 it's an incredibly smart text and um and what they've done with the remake obviously kind of takes the baton on from that and then kind of refracts this 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 theme this genre setup of the sorority slasher to talk about kind of contemporary uh campus sexual politics and and that's just that's just just a great way to go with it. I mean, it's the obvious way to go with it, but no, I mean, I'm really excited about that. That's very um, with the times here. The time it, it's cer it certainly it certainly is. And I, listen, you got to give um, credit to. Um, I mean, look, whatever. There were some discussions. Should, in light of everything, should this university partake in, in something like this? Cool. And and uh, one of the things in the film is that the clock tower is going to be like whatever removed. So that kind of key defining. So while it's still a tago and it will look like a tago, and actually, I mean, it's set on a um, a campus called Hawthorne, which is great. It's such a great name because it's like it it captures American Anglophilia. Yeah. You know what I mean? It might as well be called Sterling or or some kind of like you know Ponzi British thing, and it it leans into that kind of uh, northeastern Ivy League fetishes it wasp fetishization of some England. New England yeah. campus. And, and and if you know all those New England old money types, they all speak with like fake British accents. Yeah. Uh, that is honestly that sends me running for the hills. That's you know, that ugh, awful, awful. Um but yeah, so there was a kind of like should Otago be part in something like this and it's a bit, a bit risky, but I mean like uh, obviously no spoils this time, but like these things are dealt with in a way that are really smart and, and take on kind of this thing of oh these are our institutions these are our cultural practices oh we can't have these practices anymore because of some pc feminist nye, 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 or whatever you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah so yeah. so it takes on those kinds of debates um it's great yeah it's a smart film yeah i mean i'm assuming like chris you can um you can like stand for a production company and for a film like i am now and it all goes terribly Terribly Let's see. wrong, but you, that's that's the risk so of filmmaking. Still so coming back on you, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what? I mean, the film itself, it's being it's part of part of it's being shot here. Yes, well, yeah, yeah. Other parts in Amaru, Ernst Claw, um, Ernst Claw. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah, that's your yeah. part. Of, that's your part of the world. Well, it's not. It's not. It's not far from Crompton. 
Crompton. I had to say I'm a I'm from Otapoti. Let's remember that. Okay. Uh, but anyway, um, so so it's been all shot in, in Aotearoa? Or? So, yeah, as far as I know. Yeah. I mean, there's always kind of like... And, and, and it's... Uh, so, it was obviously a pretty cool thing. Like, I mean, part of me standing so hard is you, you know, rubbing and getting that Hollywood stardust kind of feel and getting a bit giddy about it. But, like, our students uh, from the Media, Film, and Communications Department... Uh, we're able to kind of like you know work on set and and be runners and and that kind of stuff, and uh, yes, yeah, so they got to see this. There was a a makeshift studio constructed. There were a couple of days shooting um, on campus and the quad. I mean, some of you would have seen it. I mean, obviously, uh, it looked incredible uh, with the fake snow. And one of the funny things was. This is supposed to be kind of like New England, and like there's like fake snow and ponga ferns everywhere. So like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There might have to be some work in post to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it's great. I mean, like the, the you know, uh, to see the campus in that light was really cool. And actually, um, if you go by the archway, there's actually if you look in the masonry, there's like a skull uh, in the kind of so there's like gargoyles and skulls yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and yeah. it's like damn man, like. We we do gothic well in Dunedin. It's great. We so do. It makes, it makes, it, makes perfect sense. I mean, you've seen how Wellington's kind of uh, leaned into the kind of horror mystique of that city. Um, I think we got a bit of that going on down here too, so which is great. Without doubt, without doubt. Um, when they do this kind of film, you know, I mean, obviously they're bringing actors, they're bringing crew, they're bringing people. What about equipment and all that? So, all right. So I couldn't tell you about the equipment, but like I was told. By our friend uh, Anthony Deeker, who's the Enterprise Indian Film Coordinator, and and the guy who basically managed to to get these people down here, that 20% of of the crew were American, 80% were Kiwi, and of that, um, half would have been from the broader Central Otago Otago region. Mm-hmm. So 40 from Auckland, 40 from and and. I mean, in terms of these, you know, hundred thousand dollar cameras or whatever that they got going on, I don't, I, I don't know where those come from. But there, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of local work, and there's an important debate to be had around tax rebates and labor laws mm. around film. Um, and my God, we're more hobbits, more Lord of the Rings stuff. Uh, th- I don't know if you saw, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the comment from David Parker. Uh, responding to Jacinda Ardern, you know she took a phone call from Jeff Bezos. Oh, what? All right, so because right. Amazon's making because Amazon's making this Lord of the Rings television series, which is going to be one point five billion dollars, which is basically Bezos's kind of little pet project because he's the world's richest man and he's a big nerd, like all these other guys, like Peter Thiel and Zuckerberg and Musk. They're all these ginormous nerds, but yeah, Bezos like called Jacinda. Just to make sure after uh, March 15th that like everything's cool, everything's and so she took that call. And she said yes, of course. And David Parker, in responding to criticisms of of this kind of like power, was like he said, "quote This is our chance to be Middle Earth forever." <laughs> I gotta say, as much as I love film and and the chance to uh, see a kind of new. Film boom because that 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 will happen in off the back end of, of of this different Lord of the Rings stuff like we're we're gonna get a kind of capacity and interest and um, but the idea of being this like fantasy land forever where 
I mean, the thing about Lord of the Rings is that the hobbits are the they're the bad ones. Yeah. They're, they're the they're the stupid little uh, small-minded, small-worlded. Pe- they should not be our sympathetic protagonists. <laughs> I'm honestly, I'm with the orcs. <laughs> if we want to talk about Tolkien in that way, like then, then I'm with it. But yeah, right. Let's quickly talk about uh, Adam sure. Hendricks, who is the talk this weekend on Friday. Um, where and when? We'll okay, so check it out. We're gonna yeah, so we're gonna have a talk on Friday, which is a public event. Which I please, if you're interested in. Um, if you're interested in all things Blumhouse, if you're interested in what is happening in New Zealand film and, and how to think about it as a kind of as an artist, as a creative, as, as somebody um, who might, you know, is able to work crew, like, you know, how to think about this thing. Well, it's going to be a, a, a Q&A session with um, Adam Hendricks, who's the producer of Black Christmas. He's also produced Harry Dean Stanton's last ever feature uh, Lucky. Lucky, I like that film. Yeah, 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 I saw that here at Rialto. Um, he's produced a lot of television on Netflix, a couple other features. Uh, Cam is a very popular one on Netflix. Uh, but the, the interesting thing about Adam and uh, why we really wanted him as a department uh, to come in, and do this talk is that he's like a film theory guy. Like, he's not like a, a film school... You know, he doesn't come from that model where you have an intake of like 20 students and everybody wants to be a director and uh, and people think that's the only way to kind of get into film. But no, this is a guy who comes from a kind of learning about the history of film, political movements in cinema. I mean, I we have this a lot with students uh, or year 13s. They say, look, you know, we're really we love we love film. We love cinema. We love Marvel. You know, can we make films in the program? And it's like, well, you know. There's some of that, but then also, like, actually, can we understand, you know, the origins of why B-movies are so incredible and what B-movies represent and the space and freedom they, they, they give us, allow us to kind of play with uh, all these kinds of different social meanings and stuff. So, yeah, I think that's what it'll be about. It's on Friday at 5 o'clock in Burns 1. All welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, love to see folks there and kind of, you know do that kind of Hollywood stardust thing a little bit, but um, it's genuinely a very kind of cool opportunity for us to think about how we, how we see more of this happening in New Zealand. Yeah. And then go watch some more Blumhouse films. I'll tell you what, Whiplash is a film that I I haven't love. seen Whiplash. Sinister with Ethan Hawke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, a good film. I love yeah, it. Black Klansman, of course, they did. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting... Um, that's an interesting slash controversial. You were a you were a huge family. Yeah. I, w- no, I was it was uh, not nah, it was it was Spike Lee. So it's kind of daring, and there's some technical stuff. But the the problem is, is the story is is a fugazi. The guy the the guy the man, Denzel Washington's son, who is the lead. God, this Hollywood nepotism stuff. Uh, Denzel Washington's son, who's the the guy who's uh, playing this character. The, the 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 book that it's based on was published by like the 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 cops press because no publisher would touch it because from a kind of factual journalistic standpoint it wouldn't hold up and the claim is that this guy was part of COINTELPRO which if your listeners don't know was you know wide scale program of political surveillance uh, by the CIA FBI in the 70s to spy on on radicals and to the extent that the Klan was part of that. You know, it was a very limited part of what COINTELPRO was about, which was about subverting the left and, you know, black power movements and all the rest of it. So to make this guy the avatar of 
I don't know, the cops can save us against white supremacy. Uh, and, and then to do that last sequence, which is, honestly, Spike Lee is the king of the ham-fisted, over-the-top uh, ending. Like, it goes back to, like, school days and Samuel Jackson just going out and screaming, Wake up! But, like, <laughs> and, you know, so I'm from Charlottesville, and, like, to do this whole kind of, like, this is important because of Charlottesville and cops will fight white supremacy. I was just like, come on, man, this is, this is all over the place. <laughs> And I love Spike Lee. I mean, I absolutely love Spike Lee. But um, I love that I can watch films and not <clears throat> think about that stuff. And it must it, be hard for you. It's good. It's good. It's <laughs> good to. I mean, like James Woods, right? Disgusting Trump MAGA creep. Absolute. But my God, I watch James Wood perform in anything. Like he's outstanding. Like mm. I do like to be able to kind of switch off the two different sides of my brain. But if those two things can work in harmony, if you can get like uh, something that's viscerally attractive stylish as a film but then speaks to you know then speaks to the kinds of things that think like the purge movies are doing then i'm really like i'm in that sweet spot that's like that's filmic nirvana for me purge election day is good um hey thanks oh jamie always a pleasure mm. friday five o'clock burns yeah, one that's right that's right when blumhouse we comes to town look for us on the facebook event page uh university of Chicago media film and communications department peace peace cheers brother This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.